0: Hello and welcome to the Shiny Bees Podcast, a podcast for those who like their knitting, comedy and yarn in equally large measures. I'm your host Jo Millmine and this is episode 119, Yarn Shops of Shanghai. Hello, hello and welcome into another episode of the podcast. How are you? I hope you are well since last time I spoke to you when we were discussing all things British wool, sourcing and labelling with Joy Macmillan of The Knitting Goddess. And if you haven't heard that, I recommend you skip back to episode 118 as soon as you finish with this one and give it a listen because it was a really good conversation around... The ethics of your choices as a business owner and as a crafter and how to go about finding out that information that helps you figure out whether the yarn that you're buying is from where they say it's from and whether it's something that you want to be buying yourself. In this episode, we're going to be talking about a recent visit this weekend just gone, actually, of mine to Shanghai where I visited two yarn shops and I wanted to tell you all about it because the last episode I did that had a little bit of a glimpse behind the red curtain, if you will, of China went down really well and I had a lot of messages from you asking questions and asking for more content like that and more of the travel stories in particular. So I didn't want to give you too much in the whole way of personal um, calamities because that is generally that's what it is with us um, and a bit more but in terms of the yarn in particular and that sort of aspect of living um in china albeit briefly on this occasion over summer and it's always really interesting when you go somewhere new a lot of you may- might do this as well and i certainly do it i go and look on ravelry i find it where the the all the yarn shops are where all the knit nights are and um, anything that's going down on the yarn side I go and try and find it out whenever I travel anywhere um, abroad because it's always nice to have that kind of souvenir yarn and to see how yarn shops are different and try somewhere new and make some new yarny friends and that's what I've done this time so, I knew from Ravelry from the Chinese or Knitters in China group that there were a lot of knitters in Shanghai and there were a lot of yarn shops and a lot of options. So, I was very much looking forward to getting down there, having a look around and seeing how the scene is in Shanghai because it is quite Western and quite different to a lot of the rest of China because of, of its position and the fact that it's a port and stuff is, is, makes it different so that was really interesting and i'll share some of that with you in the main kind of chat part of the episode but before that we're going to do a little bit of news first up many 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 of you send me messages asking about the theme music to the podcast it is a song called i need a drink and it's by adam and the walter boys i got this uh, music when it was still music alley which doesn't exist anymore and downloaded it there as Podsafe music and i've been in touch with adam of adam and the walter boys who's absolutely lovely and he um said that i could continue using this song for as long as i like with with their blessing basically and any other songs in their back catalog but i often get asked by listeners where they can get it because it's quite catchy and you might want to listen to all the rest of the song and if you do 79 pence of your hard earned money on iTunes will get you a copy of this single. There's also a couple of albums on there. Some of the other songs are quite um quite funky as well and quite fun, so you might want to get the album. But if you do, um it is Adam and the Walter Buys and it's I need a drink. It's available on iTunes. I'll put a link in the show notes. And if you want to go and get yourself a copy of that, then by all means do especially those of you that have emailed me many times asking where they can find it and because they're absolutely lovely and they're very kindly let me carry on using the music even though it's available for purchase they're letting me carry on using it and i really appreciate that and i know a lot of you do too so that's where you can find it if you are looking for it the other thing i have for you is a little bit more news on my new project it's almost ready for testing and my vip list from the people who signed up And the last time I mentioned it on the podcast uh, have all been told a little bit more information about it. It's still under wraps at the moment, but I can tell you a little bit more now in advance of it becoming available for more wide testing. Once I know everything works and everything goes the way it's supposed to go, I've had this project in mind for about the last four years and when I wanted to first build it in 2014, it was quite hard to do. It was quite expensive. Um, it was a lot of custom coding, a lot of custom building of the website to get the functionality that I wanted. Now, Things have moved on a lot since 2014 in technology as you all know and now that that kind of um, capability is available much more widely and i've come back to this idea because the problem has never really gone away even though we have other ways to research yarnies and find yarn it's never for me this problem's never really gone away and my problem is is i'll go and find some beautiful yarn and it'll be a single skein of something, and it'll be a particular blend, and it'll be hand dyed, so of course it's a one off. And I'll want to pair it up with something else. I'll want another colour to go with it, and I'll want it to be the same base. And maybe the dyer that dyed it originally, you know, it's maybe it's an oak, one of a kind, maybe it's not part of a kind of colour collection, because a lot of dyers don't do kind of colour collections that all go together. Whatever the reason. It can be really hard to find that kind of matching skin to go with it, to make these bigger projects. I mean, heaven forbid you want to find enough for a fade. I mean, yeah. a lot of people find that difficult um, if you want to be getting four, five, six skins together or whatever it is you want to do. And the reason for that is, is there is no central place to go searching for it. Yes, you can go look on Ravelry, but it's only going to tell you yarns in people's stashes or tell you what bases people carry. But because the the hand dyed is a one-off product, you've no guarantee that that's going to be in stock when you go looking for it. Um, And you've no idea what a dyer might have at any particular time unless you go from website to website or Etsy shop to Etsy shop to try and find it. Also on Etsy, I find that when you type in hand dyed yarn, you get delivered anything but, and you get a lot of spurious results that are not relevant to you. It feels like a waste of time. You can't find what you want, and it feels really frustrating. And that's all time wasted. I mean, everyone loves yarn shopping, but that's all time wasted that you could be spent knitting and enjoying that project instead of actually ending up buying a load of other random yarn that you never knew you wanted and you just kind of came across and now, now the problem's just expanded. It's kind of like gremlins getting wet after midnight and then eating an all-you-can-eat buffet. You just end up with more gremlins and nothing to pair them up with, basically, because that problem hasn't been solved until now. And that is my mission is to make it much easier for people to find the yarns that they want without having to spend hours online, without getting frustrated and to bring dyers who you've maybe never heard of before onto one platform where you can come and search them all in one go with really nice search algorithms that let you get only the kind of yarns and colors of yarns that you want Shown in your search results, so you don't have to waste time, unless you want to, of course, but you don't have to waste time looking um, in shop after shop, website after website. You can have all of this delivered to you in one handy place. That's my vision for this project, and that's what I'm building now, and it's almost ready. So I have my initial testers. They're ready to go uh, with testing the website. And if you want to be one of the first people to get access to the website, once it becomes available to the mainstream, then you need to hop onto the waitlist, which is shinybees.com forward slash VIP, VIP baby. And um, you can get on that list there to be notified when, when it is available for wider use so i'm very very excited about that i'm trying to stay calm because i just want to squeal all of the time about it and um, but you'll see a lot more stuff coming from me once we get closer to that wider kind of public launch you'll definitely see a lot more from me and i will reveal the name and all of the ideas and vision i have behind it for you then sorry there is a small child screaming and there's nothing i can do about it Outside. the Chinese children are very very noisy and high-pitched I'm afraid you get used to it once you've been here for a while so without further ado then I think we should go on to the yarn shops of Shanghai <music> so this weekend I went off to Shanghai on a little tourist visit and took the train down to the coast to Shanghai and The first thing of note that you need to know about the trains in China is they are incredibly efficient. They run on time, they do not run early, they do not run late. I've been on a lot of trains whilst I've been here and last year and the other times I've visited and I've only ever been on one late train and every train that day was late because there was a problem with the line. Not leaves, not not signals, not like the UK where every train is late. This was really a one-off in terms of they run their, their trains like as a dream it is amazing they come on time they leave on time and in fact if the train arrives into the the station heaven forbid early they don't open the doors they open the doors when they say they're going to open the doors and they close the doors when they say they're going to close the doors and that is that and i love that i love a bit of efficiency And these trains are all high-speed trains and they go at 308 kilometres an hour. They can go up to 330 kilometres an hour now. They've lifted the speed limit above 300 and all of the trains have 16 carriages on them and all of them have allocated seating and it is just amazing. Like, there's loads of space, you can recline your seat. Business class has these special live beds in it. It is proper, nice train experience. They are very controlled in the way that they handle their passengers because there are so many people here. So the train stations, which are an homage to Soviet architecture, they're all quite brutalist. They're all very striking buildings. There's a lot of concrete involved outside and they run them like clockwork. So they have one large main hall where most people are kept whilst they're waiting for their trains. And then when it comes to getting on your train time, there is a, a window of opportunity whereby you can get onto the platform to get to your train. You don't wait on platforms like you do in the UK. You wait in in the, the main hall, the main departure hall, which is generally surrounded by a mezzanine level or various fast food outlets, should you want to go buy some and take it on the train, which most people do. Most people do. And the weird thing is is the fast food places whether or not you're getting on a train insist on putting your drink in a little carrier bag like a little drink sized carry bag that they seal up as as if the carton that it's in isn't waterproof i don't understand that but it's a thing and uh, everyone goes and takes their kind of kentucky fried chicken on the train or whatever it is they're taking on the train now they have special barriers that are from the departure hall that go down to the platform you can only go onto the platform that your train is coming to and you can only go on to that at a certain amount of time before the train arrives and it's all very strictly controlled. When you get on the platform you go directly to the number of your carriage which is all pre-allocated seating. Everyone has a seat so you go to the number and you stand in a line in a nice orderly queue and wait for the train to arrive at the appropriate end of the carriage. They are always numbered the same way around not like Virgin where sometimes K's at the front, sometimes K's at the back. It's always the same. The numbers are always in the same place. The trains always stop to the exact amount of platform they have to stop at so that the queue lines up perfectly with the doors. And it's just an absolute dream. I really enjoy the trains here because I just feel like that is, if you're gonna run a railway, like that is how you run a railway. That's how the Fat Controller does it, slash the of hat, depending on how politically correct you're gonna be. Now how you run a railway. So we took, I felt like I had to share that with you because I do enjoy the railway here. And I feel like a lot of you are probably commuting, you might be on a train right now. Um, maybe a southern rail one that's, you know, late. Or maybe a northern rail one that's just not pitched up at all. And even if it did, it'd be like it came straight from the 80s. And I just feel like, you know, like I, I'm I'm with you. I feel your pain and I, I just I direct you to what you could have as a commuting option in China instead. Now, I went to two different yarn shops when I went to Shanghai. Both of which are on the Bund side of the river which is where all of the um, old art deco type buildings are and we stayed on the other side which is in the financial district and that's where all the big skyscrapers and the Oriental Pearl Tower are which is this amazing kind of pink futuristic TV tower um, that gets lit up in all these different fairy lights at night. I mean Shanghai is full of lights at night, China is full of lights at night anyway but the lights are particularly spectacular on the buildings Um, and i absolutely love fairy lights so it's totally up my street including some very tasteful incredibly tasteful uh tourist barges and tourist boats on the river one of which was like a galleon that was covered from top to bottom in fairy lights amazing so i went to two different ones they're both on the bun side of the river they're only about 10 minutes Fifteen minutes max away from the Bund, so and that's a big area for tourists to stay in, and quite one of the quite popular areas, and one of the big tourist attractions is to go walk along that river and take a look at all the lights. And the first one, and I apologise for butchering Mandarin now, and because my pronunciation, I'm working very hard. I'm working very hard at my, my Mandarin, but the way that you say it and the intonation is super important. So it can be the same word, and whether you go up or down at the end of a sentence means a completely different thing and obviously if you are speaking english if you go up at the end of a sentence it's generally a question and um, so it can be hard sometimes when you're asking a question to, to not go up at the end because then it means a different word um and i'm not doing that great i can order three beers say hello say you're welcome and um, ask for some ice and a glass and some water and a straw so to all the the major things I can do that are very important, obviously. So the first one yarn shop I went to is the Heng Huan Shang Yarn shop, which is at three hundred and fifty eight Jingling East Road in Huangju uh, in Shanghai, which I say is just um west of of the bun, so sort of south southwest. Now this is a traditional what I consider to be a traditional Chinese yarn shop. In that, it is on a random kind of residential-come-shop road because all every road is residential and shops together. There's shops everywhere here because there are so many people. And there were some ladies' apparel-type shops and quite often the yarn will be in a shop that has the ladies' apparel out the front of it. So it's not always immediately obvious that what you're going to is indeed a yarn shop and you quite often have to peer through the door to see if you can spot the yarn. But the yarn is always displayed in boxes Um, sometimes they mix the colors but it's always in a box always with a plastic cover on the box so it's not readily squishable it isn't sitting there on the shelves i assume because of dust and things like that because these do open out onto the road um and because it kind of looks quite nice i guess but it is that's how it's sold so they will sometimes mix the colors of a, a base in that so you can see the colors but generally all of it comes in a box none of it is out to squish the lady will let you squish it if you ask she'll let you have a look at it and get it out but it isn't readily available now heng yuan Xing, um, is a brand that apparently formed in 1927 in shanghai itself and it isn't limited just to knitting wool it is a massive brand they do do knitting wool which started in 1991 when they opened that brand but they also do apparel they do sweaters home textiles and they are the number one seller annually of wool sweaters in china they've got more than 100 factories they cover more than 90 percent of the municipal market in china and it became a state-owned enterprise in 1956 so not a small concern by any stretch 1997 was when they went into the sweaters and the other knitted apparel from the wool brand so other things have been going before that it was like a a silky yarn brand before that so man-made fibers they went into the wool in 1991 and they've got 5,800 sales outlets and 375 million products on franchise so this is a yarn shop but it isn't part of a massive kind of conglomerate it's a franchise of that so that uses the brand name and it stocks their wool, but it is a franchise owned by a person. And love what a lovely person she was, the lady who worked there. It was very small, on the scale of Ginger Twist Studio in Edinburgh, smaller than my bedroom at home, and I don't live in a mansion, like I live in a four bed, detached. It's a, it's a new build, so it can't be that big, right? Um, I would say probably maybe four by four metres max, and it was packed from floor to ceiling with yarn and then in the middle of the floor it was like a u-shaped walking area was also piled up with yarn and the lady had two different heights of chair which she used to access the higher levels depending on which brand, which one you wanted she would use a different chair lady after on my own heart i mean most people would use a step ladder but there wasn't really space to put one and then people can't sit on a step ladder whereas at least she can have two guests who come and sit in the yarn shop on these different sized chairs to come knit with her right they had some nice samples up as well, um, hanging in different colours so you could see some ideas of what you could knit. And they did have a really wide range of different fibres available. Some of which I'm happy to knit with, merino, uh, Australian merino, and some of which I'm going to pass on, raccoon fair. So um, they also carry mohair, they do cashmere, they do yak, they do... Blends thereof, silk, they also have cotton and then they have some man-made fibre blends as well Now the Beast elected to pick a nice spearmint green and she always, always, always goes for the slightly shiny mercerized cotton based type yarns which are bloody hard work to knit with and hurt your hands and she's not been knitting that long but she you know she plays on even though they're splitty eyes and they're really hard work and they slide off the needles she still wants them because they're a bit shiny and they're cheaper than silk so you know i kind of roll with it this particular yarn, she got six balls of it, and it came to the princely sum of 48 Juan, which Juan, I always call it Juan, it's Juan, it's a really strange pronunciation. 48 RB, called RB as well, which is about £5.49 for 300 grams of this cotton and wool blend. It was definitely 30% wool. I'm not sure what the other 70% was, but like I say, it looked like some kind of viscose, sea silky. Rayon type, cotton type fiber. I think it is, I think it was viscose, but I'm not, I'm not, again, the Google Translate can only go so far. And the lady was lovely, but her her English was even less than my Mandarin. So it, you know, it was one of those where we'll buy it and we'll try it. But for £5.49, that's pretty cheap for a happy child, 300 grams of the stuff. And it looks about a DK weight i would say i haven't checked the wraps per inch or anything yet so i couldn't say for sure but it looks dk-ish and it's a nice color really nice color i went for some australian merino i spotted some light gray that looked like it was about a dk weight and when i looked on the back through my google Translate, it said b grade and it's definitely not an extra fine merino it is definitely a little bit rough on the merino front having said that It's definitely less woolly, in inverted commas, than a lot of the breed yarns that I've had. And certainly less um, woolly than West Yorkshire Spinner's Airedale, for instance, as a yarn goes. And I, I mean, I love that yarn. It's indestructible. But I thought I would try this. And I got 500 grams of the stuff. And that came in at one hundred and two r and b, which is eleven pounds sixty seven for five hundred grams. So potentially I'm getting a lush cardigan here for eleven pounds sixty seven because that's what I'm gonna knit with it and try it because I'm currently knitting my third lush, fourth, fourth lush, fourth lush in West not yet West Yorkshire spinners at all. It's in Countess Blaise Grande Marina. And that's lovely, but that is probably, you know, 10 times the amount I spent on that than I spent on this. And it is, you know, it might be 10 times as nice. It's a beautiful colour. But would I import Chinese yarn into the UK and knit with it there, even at that price? No, I wouldn't, because there's plenty of beautiful stuff right on my doorstep that I can use and I want to use. But, you know, when in China i think it's rude not to try their yarns and see what the local people knit with and what they use and how it performs i think it's quite interesting and it's local or it's spun locally certainly so i wanted to try that and i thought you know what i'll give it a crack at that price if even becomes kind of carpet yarn it doesn't matter you know i'll try anyway and see what happens and obviously these are franchised stores and i want to support the local store owners because you never know when you're going to need some raccoon fur yarn right never never the, the box has a little it's, it's a blue box and it had a little raccoon face on it like and it was dead cute i'm just like no i can't have you a raccoon fur i know you'll have ripped it out from you know the the bloody roots i'm not having any of that <laughs> i'll put a picture in the show notes of the little surprised raccoon face i just couldn't do it even though it was a cartoon raccoon i couldn't do it i'm not that curious so we went there as well, as a point of note, if you are going to go and visit this place, um, we went there in a Didi, Didi, which is Chinese Uber, basically. Didi actually bought Uber out. They had a big kind of war, and then Uber sold out in China to Didi, which is a domestic version of Uber. It's really good. It's super cheap to use, way cheaper than actual Uber in the UK. Obviously, it's more than the Metro, um, but it's still even a 45 minute you know ride from one side of the city to the other is still going to cost you like less than 20 quid so cheap in terms of what we expect to pay in the UK for taxis and because it was raining and because this particular shop had it had been mentioned in the groups that it moved a few times I didn't really want to be traipsing around from the metro stop trying to find this place because I knew it wouldn't be an obvious find Um and I wasn't keen on splashing through the rain with the beast in tow. I'd have probably walked if it was me by myself and if the weather was fine then I would have Um, but DD is awesome. You can link it up to your card it all gets paid automatically it's super easy and um, the only thing you need to be aware of is that they will try and ring you and speak to you in mandarin so i always just you can send them a little text message as soon as they agree to pick you up and i always say sorry i don't speak chinese and my location is accurate my gps location is accurate and they're really good they come straight away they're dead friendly dead nice and um, it's super easy the cars are clean and um, that's the way we kind of get around if if we need to go anywhere Rather than take the death trap mopeds. Although I'm considering a Union Jack one, um, we don't tend to take the mopeds. And obviously, we wouldn't have had a moped there in Shanghai. So it was super, super interesting to go there. Very little shop, a very small, but definitely what I would call a local's approach to buying yarn at kind of local prices. It's affordable for people who actually live, the general population who actually live there and i will let you know how the knitting experience goes with the grey merino but i will put a a picture in the show notes so you can take a look at it the other yarn shop that i went to was at the opposite end of the scale and it was the lotus yarns flagship store which is called yarn avenue and it is in a large mall called joy city mall which is again in the kind of the bund sort of west of the bund area in shanghai now, Joy City Mall is a Western mall, which means it's full of Western brands, basically. All of the high-end sort of designer brands that you get from France, um, even stuff like Clark's uh, that's pimped up to be Clark's England, and all the shoes are four times the price, um, to, through to uh, Kiehl's, um all sorts of brands like that like the high-end brands that you expect to get and some high-end chinese brands you get apple store all that kind of good stuff bows you know all of the trainers shops all the shoe shops and everything else it's on level six which is the creator level each level of the shopping malls tend to have a theme so they'll have all of the shoe shops on one level together all of the ladies fashion on one level together um that's how they organise their malls and generally the supermarket will be on the basement level of the mall along with a lot of the cheaper street foodie, fast foodie, Chinese type food outlets which is really cool when you walk around down there and have a look at what people are cooking and making it's quite exciting, I quite enjoy it. So this is a new shop, it's only been open since January 2018 and Lotus is an export brand basically. Lotus Kashmir company was founded in 2007 in Xinglai in Hebei province and they set up Lotus Yarns in 2009. They are a distributor in Asia in China for Noro, Louisa Hardin, Opal, um, Girl Blues, Nipro, Adi, Brittany, all those kinds of brands that you see everywhere. They are the distributor in, in China for them and They do have a big range of their own yarns, which I've seen once before at Be Inspired Fibers in Edinburgh, which is run by May, and she does have a lot of Asian and kind of Oriental Japanese Chinese yarns, and I've seen them there before, a selection of Lotus yarns there before. The yarn shop itself looks super Western, um, as every shop does in that mall, you could be anywhere, if everyone wasn't Chinese you could literally be in any country and um, there were a lot of really nice looking samples available and all of the yarns were in skeins and displayed openly very much in the way that you would get in in any western yarn shop where they're out on display and you can pick them up and touch them. I assume this again because it's in an an air-conditioned climate controlled mall there aren't the same concerns with dust and potential kind of damage from any kind of atmospheric stuff so they had a really big notion section with lots of needles and crochet hooks and shawl pins all the kind of good stuff that you get from all of those brands in any yarn shop they had a large selection of lotus yarns which had everything from cotton cashmere through to tibetan yak and silk blends and um, full cashmere all different weights as well and then they had a selection of the foreign yarns in a separate area and they had um Noro and Louisa Harding, some Debbie Bliss, uh, a lot of Scandinavian yarn and um, some Cowgirl Blues which is a South African yarn brand. In contrast again, looking at the price points as you would expect in a Western Mall, the Lotus yarn started at about 40, I think, I think it was 35 RMB for a ball of cotton cashmere for 50 grams of cotton cashmere so very much a higher price point going through to the higher end brands because they even i mean they even distribute brooklyn tweed and things like that but the say the kogel blues that i picked up because it's south african brand and i know the brand i've never used the yarn but i know the brand i went to that to pick it up to get a comparable and that was 299 rmb which is about 35 pounds so a big big difference in terms of what you pay for 100 grams of 100% South African high twist merino hand dyed and what you would expect to pay for that sort of product in the UK and in South Africa because don't forget I've bought that, that, that very yarn base in South Africa so I'm like Africa prices <laughs> which obviously when you're buying locally are much much less especially with the exchange rate against the rand so laws and laws of choice I didn't get much chance to look at the actual Lotus yarns from the inside and touch them because in that area where they were there was a large table and there appeared to be some sort of knitting lesson slash workshop going on. There were some children knitting which is awesome, very excited to see that and... It wasn't immediately obvious or indeed obvious at all who were the staff who worked there because no one appeared to have any badges There was no uniforms and they do love a good uniform in China There was none of that. So it wasn't really obvious and because of the placement of the table I wasn't actually able to go and get hold of any of the lotus The nicer end of the lotus stuff and have a squish at it and a feel at it and see what I thought Because I couldn't get past all the people and I didn't want to be pushing past them. And, I, and it, I mean, it's okay if you're in China, Like personal space doesn't really exist. So it, it's probably not never come to mind for them, but I'm British and like I have my bubble and I don't want anyone in it. And I'm not going to, I just, I don't like it. So I'm like, I'm, t- I'm too polite to push past. I did go and take a look around the outside though, because it had glass windows where all that you could see the yarn around the outside. It's kind of like a circular shot. And, um, They had a a good selection, but what I did find also with the Lotus Yarns colours, which again I found with blacker yarns um, to a greater extent, is a lot of the colours are quite muddy. Um, They look a bit like plasticine that's been mushed together to me. Um, Not very clear colours. Quite a bit of grey in there, quite a bit of brown in there, which probably is a design function. Maybe those colours suit Asian complexions better. They look terrible on me. Um, And I'm not saying that Lauder should change all of the colours just because of me. But obviously I'm only going to knit with the colours that look good on me. And I've had my colours done like I know what looks good. And there was nothing in the palette whatsoever that would have worked for me. That being said, I know a lot of people like the neutrals. They like their olive greens. They like the browns. They like like, what I call rodent grey. Which is a grey with a lot of kind of brown undertones in it. Uh, People do like to use those and knit with them a lot. So I can see why they have them. They just didn't appeal to me. So I didn't actually buy anything in that shop. Mostly because I couldn't find someone who worked there to actually buy something from them. And um, although it was lovely, it definitely didn't have the same kind of friendly atmosphere as the little Chinese shop did. Um, So, you know, two ends for skill. But that that can be the case in any high-end yarn store. And I did have, you know, pad one with me. Um, but there were children knitting in there, so I, I can't even really give them that excuse. Um, I just felt like normally the the service is really attentive and they come rushing over to try and help you, and um, there was just really wasn't any of that. So that was a bit disappointing for me. But like I said, great selection and good to see that they're obviously targeting a international high end. Um, and the aspirational kind of chinese consumers who like those kind of brands and have the money to spend on them that they're they're actually producing something at that end of the market as well it's it's really interesting obviously a good opportunity um for overseas brands maybe to get involved with some of that so they were the two yarn shops i went to and if you're in shanghai i'd recommend you check them both out the um The mall, Dry City Mall, has on the top floor on level nine, they have a ferry wheel that you can get a good view of Shanghai from as well. So you're probably going to be in the region of that Lotus Yarn shop anyway. And the other yarn shop was only 10 minutes by DD away from that. It wasn't far at all. And definitely worth a look if you want that more authentic Chinese experience of basically putting prices on calculators and uh, using Google Translate to figure out exactly what's in the yarns. So that's all we've got time for this week. I hope you've enjoyed the show and I hope you've enjoyed sharing a little bit of Chinese knitting shop culture with me today. Next week I'm going to be talking to the awesome, the amazing, the lovely, the vivacious. I love the woman to death, Leona Jane Kelly of Fluff slash Rusty Ferret Yarns. I did the interview last year and a lot of you... Request that she come back onto the show for a second time and as she'd started dyeing hand dyeing her own yarns under the name rusty ferret i thought it would be an amazing opportunity just to tap up tap her again and find out how all that came about and hear a bit more about it and she is amazing fun so you're going to enjoy that episode and i can't wait to bring that one to you next week so all that remains for me to say is happy crafting hope you have a great week and i'll speak to you all again soon cheers You've been listening to the Shiny Bees podcast. Show notes for this episode can be found on the website at shinybees.com forward slash 119. Don't forget, if you'd like to be one of the first to hear about my new project going live, you can join the waiting list at shinybees.com forward slash VIP.